Welcome to It Came From A Podcast, episode 11. It's July 17th, 2015, and today we're talking about a bunch of crap. Everything. We're talking about Ant-Man, talk about Comic-Con, we're talking about exclusives, Funko. R- R- Ricky, you're, you're drunk. I'm not. I'm really not. Again, you're listening to It Came From A Podcast. Where we curate pop culture for your inner geek. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Sergio AM, and joining me is Ricky Kazvan. What's up? And we have a special guest with us today. We do. Uh, lead singer of They Came In Numbers. Oh, my God. Michael Skinner. <laughs> Welcome to the show, buddy. What's Say going on, guys? Thank you for having me. Say hi to the internet. What's up, internet? How's it going? No, the internet's not a, a person. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> there it is. I like to think the internet is like a... Nice female-looking person. I've never, I've never oh. given a gender to the internet. Ooh. That's actually pretty and interesting. Of warmly embraces me into her kindred. Okay. I don't know what her, to say to that. Into her embrace. <laughs> her yeah. womb. Her womb. You're gonna say womb? I think I, that's what I was gonna say. So, so wombs aside, you went to Comic Con, right, Ricky? I did go to Comic Con for the third year in a row. Um, as usual, I think I averaged maybe three and a half hours of sleep. Nice. Every night, but you know it was totally worth it. Uh, we're obviously gonna get into it a little bit later, but I had one of the best experiences of my life. I got to see the Star Wars panel for the new movie mm. in person. Some cool things happened during the panel. I was able to grab some exclusives, um, met up with some really cool people. Uh, Comic-Con was awesome. So we saw Ant-Man and we will provide you with our first impressions and some fun Ant-Man facts. But don't worry, we hopefully we will not be giving away spoilers. Hopefully. I'm gonna spoil the whole thing. Okay, so there might be some spoilers. I was going to read the script. <laughs> Stay, stick to the script, guys, because people will get angry. If, unless, you, if you didn't see it, tough. Unless we're just kind enough to play our pirate and, you know, let people know what's going on. Can you play the pirate? Do you have it on you? <laughs> yes, I do, but I don't know if people deserve it. I think they do. Okay, let's do pirate. Yar, there be spoilers here. So, first off, okay. we're going to discuss little things about what happened in the movie and what the movie's doing differently from the comics, and one of the big things is the Ant-Man suit. It's not, it's a lot like in the comics, but we're going to give you some details it's ed- about it's it. It's edgier. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more cinematic. It's, it's like less a, comic it's booky. It's a biker suit, almost. It looks really old already yeah. to me. Like, the idea of it, like, after seeing it and, like, Funkos and stuff like that, it just right. looks... Oldish, which me. is cool because it's supposed to be oldish because it Hence, belongs yeah. to somebody else. So exactly. it was actually pretty cool that it looks aged and yeah. looks like old school. I just want to say, suit aside, I love that Paul Rudd is now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, no, I, love I think Ti is now. Ti, Ti made it into Marvel, man. I will say that Ti has the ability to make an entire audience laugh just when he appears. Yeah, it's Ti. And nobody was expecting. They didn't even advertise that he was. In no, the movie. they did. Oh well, it was in the in the the second trailer that was they it? had him in. I think. And oh no, I'm sorry. It was in the eight minute like special that they had on another movie we went to go see. I forgot which it was. I don't remember. And that's where they had it. And that's why I remember. I was from. very uh, very surprised. I was like, is that is that Ti? I mean, he wasn't. Obviously, he's not. He wasn't 
cast to play like an Oscar worthy performance. Like for what it was, he was pretty good. I mean, he was good. It's, it's, it's Ti. It's Ti. Exactly. He was himself. Ti. It should have said. It should have in, in the credits. It should have said Ti as Ti. Yeah. The supporting characters in this movie were almost more fun to watch than than the main characters. There's such an awesome supporting cast. This yeah. movie, Michael Pena, totally. Amazing. Stole the he, show. Needs, he needs his own movie. He, I, I would watch. I was playing my <laughs> yes, yes. He needs his own tie-in. If, if Marvel was to make a spin-off movie just with with uh, Scott Lang's like supporting cast, I would watch that movie or a web series or something. I would totally be in for that movie. Yeah, I would too. Only because it was edited so well, though. It was very. Um, you ever seen the, what's the show Drunk History? I believe it's called. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! It's, it, it's it exactly was. What it was, was like. very Drunk History in the sense that like he's saying things like "Yo, what's up, guys?" and like the people who would never speak like that are verbalizing that way. Exactly. You know? So like, yeah. it stole a lot from that, but it was it worked so great. The I mean, best part is there's so many cuts and. It sort of gives you the same vibe as to how Scott's feeling when he's listening. Gotcha. He's just—he has no idea what's going on. It's so fast and it's so quick. I loved it. I think it, was, it worked out so great. It was very good. And um, yeah, it worked out. Just so you guys know what the suit does, uh, the, using the pimp particle in gas form in the belt, I believe, when he hits the trigger on his finger, the button, it shrinks him. Right. So we all know that for the most part, it's sort of a basic part of him. Now, one of the things that a lot of people may not know if you don't read the comics is that in the comics, after years of exposure, the Pym particle, Pym can change size by will. Giant Man, Goliath. Right. Which, yeah. Which sort of like like is mentioned by the fact that Hank Pym says that, you know, the, the, the suit's been taking a toll on him. Although they don't really explain it, it kind of implies that, you know, this this gas does have long-term effects on you regardless of, you know. Exactly, and I didn't even think about that. I completely I blanked It went over it. my head as well. Yeah, but that's awesome. I love those little details mm-hmm. because the truth is you have to change these stories around to suit the, the you know, the movies. Of course. And um, I think that worked out really, really great. And I sort of want to see them use that, like, he can change size by will I, I expected it almost what I really like and this isn't a spoiler I like that the suit that Scott Lang ends up with is the exact same suit that Hank Pym used like they didn't really change it or anything it's like the same suit and it's kind of like a timeless quality about the suit as well like yeah. it worked in the 80s and it worked in the yeah. present day so very that I, very cool so I think it's actually one of the cooler Suits from the MCU. It's definitely great looking, yeah. I agree. Now, since we're talking about suits, though, the yellow jacket is the other thing we're talking about. Which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it looked amazing. Even I when it was that. just previewed, I was like, that is an epic suit. Like, that is a suit that a villain would wear. It looks gorgeous. And the thing is, um, in this movie, our enemy is using that suit as, you know, to fight Ant-Man, right? Yeah, exactly. So, at one point in the comics, while in his lab, Pym drops some dangerous gases. And this is in the comics, by the way. Of course, you drop gases. You're, you know, you're a scientist you're in your science. own lab. Science. I drop gases. This happens, time. you know. You're not wearing a mask. Oh, that's a different type of gas. As, as, as scientists do in their lab. But different from your gas, this gas gave him schizophrenia. That's what happens. That's what happens with these gases. Hank Pym is a complicated character, individual. Yeah. He's a genie. He's, he's probably the, the smartest person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He, yeah. he is. And when somebody's that smart, they, uh, you, there's usually a lot of character flaws. Yeah. He, kind of topic aside, but there's yeah. actually an arc in the comics, uh, Age of uh, Age of Ultron, where the whole plot revolves around what if Hank Pym died? died. And they went back and they killed Hank Pym and, like, it was so catastrophic that, like, Ultron controls the world. Like, that's how important Hank Pym is to the Marvel continuity. So, like, if that tells you anything, like, that's that's just, like... 
the butterfly effect of what would happen and to him. Now that we're exactly. talking about that, let's just mention that in the comics, Hank Pym is actually the one who creates Ultron. Exactly. And I think, yeah, it, we, yeah cool. that's something that was brought up a lot. A lot of people actually felt a little pissed off about that because they announced Ant-Man and then we're watching Ultron, you know? It makes yeah, think, it makes sense, did a though. Good job, though. The reason, yeah, it was well done. Their reasoning for not using um, Hank Pym as the creator of Ultron makes sense. They wanted, uh, I think Kevin Feige said it, they wanted the... Um, the creator of Ultron they wanted the audience to really feel for the creator of Ultron when he accidentally created Ultron and we didn't have a Hank Pym introduced to us before so they felt that if they would have used Hank Pym to create Ultron it wouldn't have resonated as yeah. much as a Tony Stark that we all know and love mm-hmm. so I, I don't mind that at all yeah exactly um, anyways so back to the the gases right <laughs> so um, the schizo gases got it so he goes crazy pretty much and then he takes up the name Yellow Jacket. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of more, a lot more that happens during that little story arc. Some violent stuff and some crazy, stupid things that you would do when you're in love, <laughs> let's say. But in the movie, it's different. Um, in the movie, the character of Darren Cross, which you know he plays the enemy, and uh, he dons the yellow jacket. In the comics, it's slightly different, like you know the fact that it's right. Pym. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's still the first Ant-Man, baddie, though. To Scotland. Yeah. And by that, um, by baddie, I mean he has a pacemaker, which gives him superhuman powers. So I can see why they didn't go with that yeah, in not, this not movie. As, not as cool when you have a pacemaker. Yeah. And he's, he has a constant, like, he has constant heart problems. Like, he has, I don't know how many different hearts he's go, he goes through in the comics. I think, uh, I think the suit itself was more memorable than the, than the villain, than Darren Cross. It was, yes, uh, he's probably the weakest part of the movie. If, if I had to pick a, like, a, a weakness to the movie, he, he wasn't fleshed out, like, um, very well. Like, we know that he was, um, basically Hank Pym's protege, but they didn't really give us any of that, and he kind of just was and didn't. I, I totally agree with the sense that the suit is absolutely more, more memorable. memorable. Than, the suit was a better villain than Cross actually right. was as a character. I agree with that. That's actually a I almost good point. Would pre- I almost would have preferred just him to be yellow jacket the whole time and not know <laughs> I mean I thought that cause. he got a little bit of a background yeah. but it, it just wasn't enough detail like we didn't really know a lot of his incentive like, we got some of it a taste of it but in my opinion like until he became that suit like his That's character just was like, wasn't oh. it just wasn't as interesting as it should have been so. yeah um I liked it I mean I think it's better than saying oh the yellow jacket is an upgrade to Ant-Man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, maybe the next Ant-Man, they gave him the yellow jacket or something like that. Right. It would have been weird. And to mm-hmm. be honest, I think this has just worked as a way better, like, uh, fight scene in the end. No, and I, I, like, I like the little... It was an awesome fight scene in the end. I like how more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of tweaks its own comic story. So, like, even, like, comic book fans, like, obviously yellow jacket has a completely different meaning in the comic. So, you go into the movie and you see, like, you see them in a different light. It's, it's very cool to... To see Marvel kind of keep everybody on their toes. Well, like Sergio yeah. was saying, like it's cool to see two suits in one movie without having that every single Ant Man movie we're gonna see right. a new suit of his. You know, like yeah. it was an interesting a way, way to to show both the suits that he, he inevitably does have in the comics, but show them you know against each other, like, right. which we really never get that in the comics. Yeah. Now uh, to go more into Pym, the reason we're talking a lot about Pym is because he's the original, of course. And since this movie was more about Scott, I did like that. I just to think that you should need you need to know more about Pym. Mar- so we we're talking about this earlier, me and Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel isn't afraid to take chances. When they announced that the lead 
Ant-Man in this movie was gonna be Scott Lang. Everybody was like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that. There's just better a better story to be told about him. But that that's why Marvel, I think, is so good and why they succeed because they they're able to flip everything on its on its side and do these super creative things like to have Scott Lang and Hank Pym in the same movie and have Hank Pym mentor Scott Lang. It's like, just Super cool to see on screen. The thing is, the reason... And it was successfully. Successfully done. And it, and a lot... A big part of that is due to the dynamic between Paul Rudd and uh, Michael Douglas. Now, the thing is, what excites me about this working is that the new Spider-Man can work because of this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to do the same story. And in a sense, we all know who Spider-Man is. And that's how it's going to start. How does he become Spider-Man again? I think he ate a spider or something. <laughs> yeah. It was in his chair. But, and I think that's what's going to happen is we're going to see a completely different Spider-Man with a different suit. I'm saying different because they, they mentioned it's going to be a big surprise. I really so want... Why, the only thing that could surprise me is something that's not the original Spider-Man suit. I really want like a... And this is not going to happen, but I really want like a... Since he's like a teenager in high school and stuff, I really want just like a super put together like bare bones version like of, this, a of the suit, suit. <laughs> like like a hoodie that he's like cut up and drawn up to be like a like i want that to be the first suit like something i don't think the avengers will super put that. together yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure cat will be like all right we need uh, to, you need to we, let me give you some of that stark money yeah. and you know, we'll get you we'll, make you well that happens do you remember do you did you ever read the amazing spider-man when iron man helps out spider-man with his suits I don't remember that. Oh, dude. No, the only he has, like, these the only... metal claws that come out. He has, That's like, a Civil red War. gore. Iron Spider, yeah, I remember That's that. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. I remember that. That, that yeah. one I remember. Janet. Who is Janet? His wife. Very cool. Well, Wasp. outside of the... Wasp. Wasp, guys. She's <laughs> wife. Very cool and wife. What, what kind founding of... members of the Avengers. So, they were founding members of the Avengers in the comics. Not the exact... Like, they didn't say, oh, let's start the Avengers right now. But they were all over the place when the Avengers were around in the comics. And in this movie, so I really, my favorite thing about the Marvel cin- uh, Cinematic Universe is I love Shield. I love the whole history of Shield and the MCU, and they um, it's the opening scene of the movie. Uh, they basically establish that Hank. Pym, I mean, there's a scene. This is, I guess it's a spoiler. There's a scene with Hank Pym and some other people, and uh, he talks about his history with Shield and how he helped kind of found Shield and and so instead of making him a founding member of the Avengers, they kind of gave made made him a founding member of. Of Shield along with Howard Stark, so I like how they flipped that as well in yeah, the story. That's good too. And so you know that being their history, of course they have to get them involved with the Avengers. Correct. And you do hear a few nods to the Avengers, and then there's even a scene involving well, something to do with the, the best, Avengers. One of my favorite things about this movie is that it it really is almost a standalone movie. And right when you forget, you kind of forget that it's connected to the other movies, and then they do a little thing here and there that reminds you, hey, this is part of a bigger, grander universe. Yeah, exactly. But, but it stands on its own as its own movie, so which I really, really dug. It's probably the most... I would say it's even more different than Guardians. I think it's the most different of the Marvel movies. I agree. I, would I don't know. I'd say Guardians is more different, only because when you think of the characters. It's different universes and different planets. I, you know me, what I mean? To me, but but you already have. It's it feels different, right? Because right, because you have you already have that cosmic kind of tone of the Avengers. Um, but Ant Man's a heist movie, and we haven't. Really, uh, that's what I was gonna bring up. The point that like it's it starts off the first half of that movie almost until he literally becomes Ant Man, 
is a heist. It's, it's like heist. it felt like very Italian job. It felt like I was watching like Correct. you know right. a, a Ocean's Eleven Italian job. Even very- the way that they're just the seat where the, how they're describing the job and what they're gonna do and the way that they shoot it. It was it was yeah. a heist movie. Just yeah. kind of how Winter Soldier was more of a spy movie turned superhero. This felt like a heist movie Which turned I, superhero. I think a lot of it. I know he left the project, but I still felt like a lot of Edgar Wright's DNA was embedded into the movie. So I, I think a lot way. of the tone and, like, the feel, like, especially that, I think a lot of that has to do with... Uh, Somebody had said that Edgar the script Wright. was very similar, or, or it was... I... I, I, I the, with the changes they made, I think, in the script, from what I understand, were they made changes to connect the the, the movie to the MCU, because when Edgar Wright originally wrote it, it was very off on its own, and I think that's one of the reasons he left. But from what I've heard, it the script kept the feel of, of Edgar Wright's original yeah um let's talk about violence guys so violence. who owns marvel now Disney. the big ears yeah oh so, boy. mickey mouse I, uh, yeah oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> so one of the first things that i knew was gonna happen was that they were going to turn pym into a much more lovable character than he is in the comics not, not a wife peter Exactly, yeah, because that's one of the things he's notoriously known for in the comics is backhanding the beautiful Janet. Janet. <laughs> well, did you catch uh, one of the main, one of the side characters, which was um, Lewis and the whatever I forget his name. Uh, Luis, yeah, Michael, Michael Pena. He was actually whistling "It's Small World." It's did a small world. That? He was walking yeah. into a... just kind of how Avengers had the Pinocchio tie-in. I'm, I'm like, of I'm course, there's a little tie-in yeah. in Disney like, in every single I'm showing, movie. I'm showing Mike that famous panel. All I want him yeah. is just backhanding Janet. God, did he break her neck? Yeah, dude, I, I don't know how Marvel got away with that when they oh, yeah. when they first released. Well, it. that's actually what I think people liked about Marvel was that they were they, being they were very gritty. Yeah, with that their would characters. not fly. That would not fly today. Of course not. Yeah. Now the same happens with Iron Man. Iron Man is Alco- a drunk alcoholic. Yeah, the devil in the he's bottle. an over the top. They did introduce that yeah. a little bit yeah. into the second movie. Part two, yeah. Yeah, well, and he has like demons and exactly. Yeah. Sorry, yes. demon in a bottle, not devil in a bottle. But it's demon much worse in the comics, of course. Now, I to be honest, I am I like that they skipped that out. Oh, absolutely, because you know yeah. I don't want to see when you take a kid to go see Ant Man and you see that Daddy, why is Ant Man beating the wasp? <laughs> yeah. It becomes a little. But that's you know. also an arc, and you know that's like a, a time period that the character goes through, and I think it's kind of like better left out of the picture like, that takes away from the whole you know I don't know the length of the movie like having this whole segment about how he beats his wife is just not I don't know exactly. I think that's better left unsaid yeah. even, if it, even if it was a rated R movie like I don't think that's something that really needs to be addressed in a movie yes. like this exactly so it makes perfect sense I think to all of us we all agree that he shouldn't have been like he is in the comics for a good reason I like the Disney version of Hank Pym. and I will say the reason that it it serves its purpose in the comics is because he's almost too perfect. You know what I mean? He's like such a genius. He comes up with all these, these. You these, can't have everything. But that's what I'm saying. Right. They make him a flawed character, and that's what I do like about some of the Marvel characters. Now, we talked about Pym. We have to at least say one thing about Scott. Uh, so, it's they've nailed we could, them. Say, they, we could say several things about yeah. Scott. He is. He was incredible. He's incredible. No, no, okay, yeah, but um, you can only say that was good in so many ways. Like, there's probably a lot of ways, actually. I'll tell you this. When the first trailer came out for Ant-Man, um, the first one, before they showed Yellow Jacket, I was worried because Paul Rudd, uh, he's associated oh, with Oh, yes, comedies. I was talking about the character, not the not Paul Rudd. Okay, not but so much. let's talk about Paul Rudd, yeah. Okay, so essentially, I was just worried because he's associated with comedies in the past, and he's very good at that, but... I don't know, like, they're showing me Ant-Man, and they're showing me this Marvel movie, this Avengers tie-in, and then it looked very, like, 
jokey, like very yeah, comedy-ish. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like maybe they're going to go too much. And I had the same kind of concern with Guardians of the Galaxy where I was like, man, maybe they're going to go too far with the comedy. Um, but I will say that I was very, very uh, wrong about that. And there is a lot of comedy, but very, very like... The tie-in with the action was great. It's yeah. back and forth. You have an action scene that cuts to something funny, action scene, and you're constantly back and forth, and it was a really good roller coaster ride. Yeah. What I liked the most about the character is that he didn't take himself too seriously, seriously at all. He was, he's he's put into this position. He has no, he really has no other choice. He has to kind of go along with the events that happened in the movie, and he's learning how to, I want to say be a hero, but I mean, kind of not really, but like he's, I think he's the closest thing we've gotten to a Spider-Man like character I like that his struggle was outside right. of Ant-Man right. it was his daughter it was his right. family you know like he his struggle wasn't necessarily with Yellow Jacket right. I mean it ended up being that conflict but his conflict was with himself you know being in jail being yeah. and know, that's actually something that is very apparent I'll go as far to say that Scott Lang is not the main character of that movie it's Hank Pym okay yeah I like that I do because I do the, the main you have the whole thing with the daughter and stuff, but like it's really, a redemption like, story. Yeah, essentially. yeah. He, like he needs to, he needs Scott, he needs Scott Lang to be successful to redeem himself. Well, he's a pawn. Remember, he's a pawn in this. Mm-hmm. Now there's a bigger story going on in the background. Hank Pym's controlling. He's really, he's a mastermind in controlling all this. the strings yeah, in the back. Exactly. Yeah. Now Scott Lang, same as the comics, he fights for his daughter, but not exactly in the same way. In the comics, her daughter has a heart condition, mm-hmm. and you see how this has to play with. Darren Cross in the comics, how he has a heart condition, right, right, right. and then you know. So Everybody what happens has is heart conditions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just you know heartbreak all over the place, literally. So he has to steal the suit in order to get small enough to save his daughter, and that's sort of you know you can see what they did there. They changed it so let's not kill off the little girl or give yeah. anyone the idea that the girl's gonna die. That would be. That, that would have been. That would have been. Okay. Yeah, listen, dude. As a dad, I felt. I was like, dude, this is like the feels right there. So this this isn't this is a spoiler, but like I was I was surprised. There's a scene where something happens to an animal, and I was like, really, Marvel? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I told like, my wife. Whoa. I called it. Yeah, yeah, I called yeah. that scene too. Yeah. Peta is going to be all over the place with this. It's not a real animal, but still, I was like, yeah, yeah. I can only imagine what would happen to if it would have been a kid. Yeah. So you know, there's the similarities with with that. Like they kept the story pretty much almost identical to what happens in the comics, except they changed uh, a few, they tweaked a few things here and there. They made it. They made it more movie. I wouldn't say identical. I would say it has a lot of it. Uh, the 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 theme is the same the pays tribute to the, the yeah it pays well, yeah. tribute to the yeah. so what they did they ditched the story where Scott he originally oh. like in the in the movie he's he's known to be a Robin Hood kind of character where he goes for big companies who screwed over the employees or other people which gets their money back poor. right in the comics he the, the, those things that he does those things that land him in jail are actually related to the Marvel universe. And they don't—they don't want to do that because doing so would cause people to say, "Okay, so where's that movie? Where's where? Where did that happen?" And that's what you don't want. So, so that's what do. they cut that, and then they changed the story arc for the daughter. But pretty much the idea of him stealing the suit and being, you know, a guy who—he's like a burglar, that mm-hmm. kind of thing—and he's been in jail and he has the problem with his daughter, same kind of thing. So that—that's kind of still goes over to the movie. And also, this this whole movie was. It, it was basically just one giant setup for Phase Three right, of, of Marvel. That was that's what 
the movie's purpose, I think, in the end was. And that is two scenes in the end after the credits. So we're not going to say what they are. Yeah, but we have to say what one of them is because <laughs> right, no we can talk are. about. Right, so but this, we're going to say what they a, are. This is the point. <laughs> give, me, give me another one of those spoiler sound effects. Just give me one. Just give me one. Okay. This is the point. <laughs> this is the, that is the most <laughs> Man. anticlimactic <laughs> spoiler sound. How about... That one too. That one's good. So while Sergio finds the correct sound effect, <laughs> this is the, I'm gonna say this is the <laughs> this is the point in the show where you might want to fast forward like I don't know a minute, two minutes, because we're gonna spoil something. Who wants to spoil it? It's not gonna be me. What are we talking about? One of the oh there be spoilers here. All right, we talking about the first one or the second one? Both. The second one is the one that has the part that. All right, so the tie-in to the Avengers. Essentially, at the end of the second trailer, in the second clip, we see Falcon and Cap, and they found Bucky Barnes. Okay, which if you've seen Winter Soldier, you know is like a big deal, and um, it it ties in directly to Civil War. And Ricky informed me earlier that it's actually a clip from Civil War, which is very interesting. I, I read I read it today. It's uh yeah. It's gonna be an actual scene in Civil War. They said it might have, it might be cut differently, it might be different angles, but the actual scene will, will happen. In Civil Which War. is cool. It was shot for. Yeah. We knew that Winter Soldier was gonna be playing a big part in Civil War. However, we've always been wondering what the conflict. We know that Tony Stark and and Chris Evans, or rather Steve Rogers, don't get along. Um, but what was gonna be their conflict? Because it's totally different from the comic. We don't have the expendable amount of cast that in the comics we have. Like, we have so many superheroes you can just throw in. With the movie universe, you can't just bring in a movie with, like, 900 superheroes. So we needed a new conflict. And I, I believe showing that Bucky Barnes is a secret, essentially. They found him, and they don't want to tell, you know, they don't Tony tell Stark, but they found Stark. him. I think that's, like, a perfect tie-in yep. to what the conflict would be in Civil War. And then Falcon's like, I know a guy. And then we get the Ant Man. And then we get Ant Man in the same all all in one big basket. So we know we I mean and we knew that we knew this before because there's pictures of him on set, but Ant Man will play a role in uh in Civil War. Yeah, I think that we all know what that is. He's gonna shrink, go into Bucky, and then expand. <laughs> and then Bucky just is <laughs> gonna implode. Exactly. From the <laughs> Star Wars anthology film. Anthology. Anthology. Will revolve around Han Solo. And we're gonna actually have an awesome duo directing it. Christopher Miller and Phil Lord. Of the Lego movie. Yeah, they directed the Lego movie, 20, uh, the 21 Jump Street movies, and Cloudy with a chance of mid-balls. To name a few. To name a few. Yeah. So judging by what their previous body of work is, I'm sort of hoping for a fun adventure film instead of something with more of a serious tone. How about you guys? I want to see Indiana Jones in space. Which is what... But I was going to say, that's pretty much what you're literally getting. Right, like. right, right. Um, no, I, I'm i very excited. Very, I mean, one thing I realized at Comic-Con, I, I was always under the impression that Luke Skywalker was the iconic character of the Star Wars saga. It's not. When, Han, when Harrison Ford came out, Holly H surprised everybody. Everybody went nuts. Han Solo is 
the Star Wars character. The fact that they're making a basically a young Han Solo movie, they're taking a huge risk because to to have a an iconic character played by a different character, that's gonna be you know crazy. People yeah. are a little not everybody's too happy about that. Yeah, um, I can see dangerous. That. You know, this character's so iconic and like. If it's, if it's not wrong, don't fix it. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it, essentially, you know. But I'm hopeful. I think that it'd be a fun movie. There's a lot of potential for this character to be, you know, really, like, really interesting and fun and the adventures he goes on. And I think it could be a great plot. Um, I just hope that they do it right, which I, I have faith. I think, and I think they should cast an unknown. I don't think it should be. Absolutely. It's such an iconic role that if you put any one actor in it, it's gonna automatically be like we'll be like, well, it's not Harrison Ford. But if you take, yeah. if you take somebody who has the same kind of, um, kind of the same look and the Just same body language, yeah, as, as a young Harrison Ford, I think I think it could work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember when Disney bought Marvel, I was like, good, bring on all the Star Wars movies. Well, I don't care what, what the Disney, Star Wars what, movies what are Disney about; they're Star, all gonna be good. Disney bought Star Wars. No, Disney bought Marvel. Yeah, well, they bought Marvel. They bought both. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I was wrong about the one I brought everything. up. <laughs> um, but also that, though. I was like, Marvel? Okay, yes, bring up, bring on all the movies. So one thing we never saw in the original movies, we know he was a smuggler, but we never really saw him smuggling. Like, we never really got that part of him. Um, I want to see him smuggle some spice. I want to see him I want to see him winning the Millennium Falcon against Lando in, like, a Saba game. You want to see him murdering people. I wa- no, <laughs> I want to I wanna see him meet Chewbacca and... And see why Chewbacca owes him a life debt, and like. Um, I mean, I want to see like a Twenty One Jump Street movie no. with Han Solo and Chewbacca. No. Orlando. <laughs> I don't want like around. a self-aware Han Solo where they're making like. Penis, well, I will say one thing. And... George Lucas was very, very careful with the Han Solo character. Let's not let's not forget what what happened with the whole who shot first situation. Yeah, like, Cause no like, one. Question. Han Solo. Han Solo. Han Solo shot first. He's the only one who shot. He's the only one who shot. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a bounty hunter and I missed you point blank. You know what I mean? It didn't happen. He's a smuggler, not a bounty hunter. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Greedo. Yes. Okay. How do you... That's why the edit never made sense. But anyways, (laughs) listen, this is like a two-hour topic. We don't have that time. I've been going for three hours about who shot first. About who shot first. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I believe the film is in good hands. Um... They're quoted to say, we promise to take risks to give the audience a fresh experience, and we pledge ourselves to be faithful stewards of these characters who mean so much to us. So the film is due to hit theaters in May 25th, 2018. And for now, we can just go on with our lives. All right, so it's time for Off the Top 3. Where's the song, Ricky? There is no Off the Top 3 song. Come up with one. Off the Top 3. Off the Top 3. Okay, stop. That was horrible. That was terrible. Okay, so Skinner, you've never done one of these. I have never done one of these. So off the top three is we give you a topic. You shout out the top three that have to do with the topic of your choice. Too, you well, to shout. Top is you. shout. Don't shout. shout too loud. My wife is asleep. Okay. <laughs> All right, so off the top three Star Wars anthology films you'd like to see. Ricky. Me? Aha! You got, I thought you were going to go to Mike. All right, so... I want to see a trilogy of Obi-Wan movies of the time period between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. What, what was he doing on Tatooine? And I want to see them in the style of, like, um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Like, yes. Like, that that would be great. awesome. Like a, little, like a Western kind of thing with Obi-Wan. I think it would be awesome. Uh, what else do I want to see? I want to see a 
I want to see a road trip movie with R2D2 and C3PO. <laughs> okay. That would Sounds be epic. That, right? Can you imagine those two? Like, we have to make sure they listen to this. Traveling through the galaxy, galaxy like, like a bus, like a space bus. <laughs> yes. Um, space bus. With like, they're trying Magic to get, school bus? They're trying to get to like a music festival or something, and then they end up getting... A music festival? Yeah. <laughs> in space. They end up getting stranded along the way. You know, they join a fraternity. I don't know. Got it. Um, and uh, third one, Day in the Life of a Wookiee. Oh, okay, close to something I was gonna have. But anyways, off the topic. Mike! Okay, I gotta see... Um, let's see a... A Qui-Gon Jinn story would be cool. That'd be dope. I think that would be really yes, cool. Yes, I think it's necessary. Um, Liam Neeson was... He was only in one movie, and he was such a cool character. One of the best parts of the... I agree, so I would like... In the to style think... of Taken. <laughs> Preferably <laughs> not in the style of Taken. Particular set of skills. Particularly not in <laughs> the style like. of Taken. So that's definitely one. You know, his origin and how he became who he is would, would be Would you cast cool. Liam Neeson or would you cast somebody younger? Um, Liam Neeson as a 13-year-old would be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I think that would be an interesting <laughs> approach. But I'd rather cast an unknown to play Liam Neeson personally. Yeah. Uh, to play Qui-Gon, rather. Um, uh, I know it's the same exact movie, but I think Darth Maul has been... Uh, one of the most iconic villains, you know, next to Vader. I mean, like, he's a very cool villain. Ray Park is, like, the closest thing we have in real life to a Jedi. Yeah. So I think it'd be cool to see maybe how he becomes, this, you know, this dark side. Oh, how he goes back, to the dark his side. Backstory. His back Maybe, he, how, you know, maybe something tragic happens that sends him to that dark side or whatever. That sounds So I think yeah. that would be really cool. That's very necessary, too. And then on a light note, um, let's see a... A uh, slapstick <laughs> comedy with Watto and his droids, oh like oh, the, the, jar. the Junkyard Chronicles. Junkyard Chronicles. It's just like life, mean, life in the junkyard. It's, it's like, and Jar Jar Binks is in there. Somehow. Exactly. You can make it like Taxi or like Sanford. Yeah, yeah. Son, you can just like be like, what is it like to live in the junkyard and sell parts and work with pod <laughs> racers? On, on That'd be interesting. A yeah. pod racer movie would be cool. That's, I just want to yeah. throw in because you brought up Darth Maul. I think if we ever do get the Obi Wan movies, I think we're gonna see the final battle. Darth Maul comes back in Clone Wars in the show, and it's, it's canon. But now. that's more, that's aftermath. You know, I would like to see a before. You know. Right, but you brought Darth Maul. I do think we'll see another fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. If, I think it'll, we'll see the final fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. Yeah. If they make Obi-Wan. They make but I do agree, like I would love to see uh, <clears throat> how he became uh, a Sith Lord. As evil and as yeah. cool yeah. as he is. Yeah. So I was originally going to go with Jabba the Hutt, the, the gangster movie that someone was oh, talking the, about. The Godfather. Yeah. The Godfather. But with Jabba. Yeah. The but Father. I'm going to change that up because I realized no, that's not funny at all. So what I want to do is pod racers, like you said, like a pod racing movie, but in the Fast style of Fast and Furious. Furious. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> exactly. You see ben what Diesel? I mean? That's exactly. Amazing. Ben Diesel's in it as a Jedi. That doesn't make sense. I live my life a quarter of a parsec at a time. And then oh, I want to see a movie with Chewie, like you said. But it's all in subtitles, and it's all <laughs> in his planet. Yeah, the whole movie in subtitles. It's a foreign film. Hilarious. It's a foreign film. Yeah, exactly. And then the last one, I'm a major fan of Yoda. Like, he's always been my favorite character in the Star Wars universe. I want to see his, like, entire life story, even in the high school years. The Jedi's go to high school? No, they, they, they have to go to some type of they, high school. They, don't, they, they grew up in the Jedi Temple. Okay, well, that's like high school. I guess it's like high school. Yeah, and so I want to see like him be the Jedi kid Jedi who's been bullied, because, hey, shorty, hey, Greeny, or, well, actually, everyone probably was green. I'm wearing a Yoda shirt today. There so you go, man. Really, I can't stop thinking about 
uh, Fast and the Furious Pod Racer no, story. I'm telling you, dude. It's awesome going to be taken. Be? We should have done something about it, but whatever. We're going to send a letter. Yo, we need to send, We need to pitch that to Lucasfilm. We're going to do it. It's a good idea. We're going to do it. One of my all-time favorite animated films, The Iron Giant, is finally getting the treatment it deserves with a signature edition. Uh, Warner Brothers is bringing it back to theaters via Fathom Events on September 30th at 7 p.m. So mark your calendars and tell everyone you know to get some tickets, if there's a viewing air in your area, of course, because the movie needs that kind of recognition. It's remastered with new scenes, and that alone is more than enough reason to go watch it on the big screen. I never saw it in theaters. I actually didn't see it till this. Yeah, I want to take my daughter because I want to say, you saw this. I would love to watch it in theaters. Yeah. Um, The CEO of Fathom Events, John Ruby, said, quote, The Iron Giant is meant to be seen and heard in movie theaters, and this is a great chance for fans, new and old, to enjoy this classic. So it's a what's up only thing. September 30th? Yeah. September it's a 30th, 7 thing. p.m. Yeah. I'll be there. And we'll have those links ready for you in the show description. So have you guys seen Iron Giant? I know I saw it recently. Timeless. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I will say it is one of the worst. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> wait, hold on. Listen, I'm trying to word it correctly because I always do things tragically. So it's one of the worst films to say flopped in theaters. Yeah. It just flopped. Is that double fl- negative we did there? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I do that a lot. And my wife that. constantly goes, so, why would you say it that so way? So ended up a positive. We got it. <laughs> but yeah, it flopped in theaters, and Warner Brothers sort of swept it under the rug, and I, I don't think it's even available on Blu-ray. I, I was about to bring that up. There's no... I looked for a Blu-ray to buy ever since I saw it. There's, there is, like, no there Blu-ray no, version yeah. of it. One of the first movies I tried to look up was that one, and... Um, just it's sort of random, but uh, Catch Me If You Can and Catch Me If You Can um, wasn't all, <laughs> out maybe, there either. So maybe we'll get a Blu-ray after the Fathom event. Get almost guaranteed it's coming because if there's a signature edition, that means they had to do something in the background. Think, and, and obviously it's a little skewed for me because I saw it recently, but I uh, I think the movie was like, ahead of its time. Maybe like had this come out and like, far, a, like yeah. po- post up, I think it would have. I think this movie could come out brand new today and still be successful. Yeah, I think they should market brand. it that way. Warner Brothers presents, and then just sorry, like, yeah. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, yeah. A lot of people of course, don't know yeah. that Vin Diesel was the Iron yeah. Giant, yeah. which is I didn't know for a few years either. I didn't even think about it. Um, now the thing about that movie too is that it is one of those that I saw, and it, it felt like a Disney movie. Right. It is very because Disney. it had a lot of heart behind it that it made you like it gave you the feels right in the in the, the same in the in, oh, the, well, in the heart chest area. And it was directed by Brad Bird. Yeah, of course. Not to direct The Incredibles. Yeah, and he and, loves that movie. Yeah. By the way, my dream, like right now, is for that movie to to become big enough in this one event to somehow lead to a sequel. What? And that they don't sell the sequel as a sequel somehow. Because, you know, if you people don't know about the movie, think, how can you say, I oh, this is a sequel to no, a movie you didn't see? Right, I'm telling you, I can dream. I have a quick question for you. Okay. So if they were going to make a live action Iron Giant Ooh. movie, who would you cast? As what? Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> as what? As a little as, kid? As a little boy. Yeah. But no, he's grown up now. And he's crazy and he's on an island <laughs> where he has to hunt down a psychotic person and then he's the psychotic person. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you uh, can make a live action movie Vin Diesel still has to do the voice. That would be cool. Yeah. I think it's a simple enough movie. Like, the plot is good, but yeah. it's a simple movie in the sense that 
I think it would totally work as a live action I th- movie. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count that out as happening one of these days. A live action Iron Giant movie. I think Brad Bird should probably direct direct it as well. Trust me, if That'd someone said, crazy. "Hey, we want to make a, a sequel to Iron Giant." He would definitely but be not even a sequel, just like a live action version of Right, the, because of all the names movie. that are on that movie are relevant yeah, still. Brad yeah. Bird is still relevant, Vin Diesel is still relevant. The story itself as a movie is still the relevant. Only, the only thing I'm scared of it being live action is that have you guys seen Real Steel? I liked like, I liked Real Steel. I know, I liked okay. it too. But you see how they portray like the, the robots in like three D? It just comes off too realistic. Where I feel like in the animation, the robot doesn't have that kind of, like, this is a metal thing that's massive right. in the same way. But, you know, like I said, people find ways around it, right. you know? Like, so it can work. It definitely can. So let's talk Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Very controversial right now. Entertainment Weekly released a picture of, uh... Well, a picture of him came out of Comic-Con. And then Entertainment Weekly released, like, the first official images of the... And everybody's saying that he looks like Ivan Ooze from the first... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Yeah, exactly. He does. Um, so, like you said, we did get the first look of the 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 Apocalypse. set photos and like really fancy shots. No, they're well. like they're like I don't even think they're set photos. They're they're, like, they are set photos. No, but inside. But, but I, the ones that I saw were like still. No, that's what I'm saying. The, the cover yeah. has them in like stylized poster shots and whatnot. We have actual scenes, like shots of scenes from the movie to the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My question is, what did you expect? Like, a lot of people are, are flaming this costume. You know, what got me the most wasn't even the co- it was the height. I know that Apocalypse can change his size, but I just, he's like, there's one picture where he almost looks shorter than, than, uh, than Rogue. Than, than Storm, sorry, not than Rogue. Well, it's I, a I, Mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> it adds like an extra it's three inches. It's an extra inches. three inches. No, but yeah, it's his, just his height alone kind of got me a little bit. Um, But I think we're, we're looking at the pictures. In a magazine, I think we need to see what it looks like in a trailer. I want you to think of every yeah. movie that you've ever seen a picture for and been like, "Wow, that's terrible," and then followed up with the movie and been like, "That was amazing." Like thought, it's so frequent that it happens. I don't even. I almost don't care. The fact that Oscar Isaac is playing him, for me alone, I was like, it's an, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's having a really. But good listen, year. I think one of the things we have to bring up are all the new faces that we're seeing mm-hmm. with characters that are already established with a celebrity that we have in so mind. So you got Psylocke, played by Olivia Munn, who's absolutely perfect, and we're not going to say anything about it. No, I no. will disagree. No. I will disagree, only because I'm indecisive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to be great as she Psylocke. Because be. I don't know, maybe they're just making her have, like, two lines or something. Like, yeah, let's go. Okay, okay, she was pretty good. You know what I mean? There's for that a, line. She put out, like, an Instagram video of her, like, training with swords and, like, getting into it. She's yeah, just, yeah, she was the best. I mean, look, she I will say, perfect, physique dude. and everything, look, she does look, after you see her in costumes, you're like, okay, I can buy her as, as, as that role. And, you know, I don't really, I've never seen Psylocke on screen to a point where I can say, that's Psylocke, you know? So, she could probably surprise physically, me. Physically, at least physically, they got it down pat. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. So then we have um, other newcomers, including... Cody Smith McPhee playing Nightcrawler. What do you guys think about that? Uh, physically, he looks. It looks very hilarious different. to me. He I, has... I, li- I liked um, uh, Alan, Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings. Yeah. Alan Cummings was very. Uh, I think it was a, an interesting take how he had the tattoos on his arms and like how they made it like a very like spiritual version of Nightcrawler. And I think this is more of a young like. Like, he, X-Men, it's like an X-Men evolution, I call it. So, look, I feel horrible for saying this, but the kid looks like he's two years old. 
Like he looks super the, young and like the, the, so close. He looks sweet. Teenagers. You know what I mean? Remember, he has movie, a sweet the look. The movie takes place in the '80s. I know. So I know. They're, they're super young. But Nightcrawler yeah. is kind of a, an odd-looking character. Like he, I mean, he's not. Maybe like, that's true. His physique I mean, is maybe very scrawny. He is very like oddly shaped, and I feel like I'm not trying to be rude, but that kid, he does look kind of like like different looking. Yeah. Like he's very skinny. You know, his features are different. So I think in makeup and everything that that it's gonna be just fine. Now I will say one thing that I'm ecstatic about: the fact that it's in the '80s makes it so jubilee. Perfect. She looks perfect. Looks amazing. She it's looks played by Lana Condor. She looks just like she looks like she was ripped out of like the cartoon. Straight out of the straight like pages. the jacket, the headband, like everything. Yeah. yeah. They attempted to do jubilee for a moment in. Uh, Origin, yeah. X Men Two. In X Men Two, X-Men 2 the museum. Right. She that's was right. briefly. She popped a firework in her hand for like three seconds. Yeah, and, and I was like, it. okay, really? And that was it. That was Jubilee in the whole movie. Yeah. But um, I like that they're going very traditional. They're not changing her costume too much because I know sometimes they the story allows say, them to. If anything, I would say that's like one of like physically. That's one of the most faithful adaptations that the, the movies have done. The costume is amazing. I want to high five the costume designers. That's insane. All the costumes look amazing, by the way. That's another thing we didn't bring up, but all of them look great. Right, but considering they never went, excuse me, to that traditional yellow X-Men suit. Bright yellow. It's cool that they gave her a traditional looking yeah, outfit. Right? Yeah, And then we have younger versions of Jean Grey. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Sansa Stark. Okay, we get it. All right, you love Sansa. Stark. I love Sansa. <laughs> no, she's she's great. She'll be good. I mean, she has right here. That's all you need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, that's, what's, that's, a, what's a popular ginger? <laughs> okay, Sophie Turner. Let's, let's, cast let's her. do it. You don't have you have what you have. Uh, you have Sophie Turner. You have uh, uh, Ron Weasley. What's his name? <laughs> he would have been a good Ron G- Weasley. Yeah, he would have been a good G Grey. What's her face? Uh, Amy Adams. That's what I was thinking. About. Oh, okay, but okay, she, okay. She's too old, obviously. Definitely not Ron Weasley. Uh, so then we have Cyclops by Ty Sheridan, which is a very sentimental character to me. I'm a huge Cyclops fan, if anybody asks. I'm Team Cyclops, never Team Wolverine. And uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see a young... I don't know if we've ever seen a young Cyclops. Like, we always get like that. I don't think we have, no. Right, like, even in the comic books, I think, like, it's always been a, like... Teenage year plus Because Cyclops. he grows into the captain, the leader role. Correct. That's the thing. Cyclops is a leader role. And I think it's going to be fun, though. I, this one looks like it's going to be amazing. You guys think that, you think Wolverine will pop up? That, that's the big will Listen, he, I think he's he, become... Isn't he already officially... No, not for Apocalypse. I feel the like it's going to be like Stanley. The only thing he's officially attached to is the last Wolverine movie that he's doing. Oh, no, no, no. And, the, and he's... Uh, I thought he said he was officially going to be an apocalypse. There's no official word. Oh, he's definitely he saying it. It's going to be like Stan Lee he came in out, Marvel movies, He came okay? out the Comic Con panel, but he came out in support. He didn't come out as oh, a... Listen, no, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's He'll something... They're going to be... Yeah, He'll they're going to bring up. him up. Even if it's like a slight little hint or tidbit or well, something. Well, in, in the first one in... Uh, in uh, first Class. First Class, excuse me. Um, he was in it for a moment yeah, the, where the, he told the bar off. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's like, yeah. he got paid like $2 million to no. curse <laughs> for a scene. So they have to at least tie him into that. Yeah. All right, so that's X-Men. So due to Comic-Con, we now have an overabundance of trailers for both movies and shows to talk about. And in order to avoid spending over 20 minutes on each, we had no choice but to create a new segment, which we're calling Nay or Yay and Why. So, pretty much, we're going to rush through each part of our list, nay or yay, along with why. Does that make sense to you guys? Absolutely. Sure. All right, Warcraft. Yay. Uh, I like that they're playing both sides of the story, Alliance and Horde, both of them thinking they're doing, or that they're, they're on the right side of the whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Michael. I'm going to say nay, because I haven't really seen much of it other than 
their costumes, which look cool, but I'm still skeptical about what they're going to do with the plot. I'm going to say yay because I like the overall look from what I've seen in the trailer, which looks amazing. It looks good. Deadpool. Yay because Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say yay. Uh, although I'm not a Deadpool fan, I do think that this is a movie for Deadpool fans. So I'm going to say yay. Yay because he actually has the face from the comics. Suicide Squad. Yay, because I'm going to hurt you really, really bad. I'm going to say yay, although I don't... I'm not sold on Jared Leto yet. I, um, I did think that the tone of the movie and the tone of the trailer is what I would expect it to be from this movie. Yay, Will Smith. Fantastic Four. Uh, yay, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people uh, that are not thinking it's going to succeed. I'm going to give this a big yay because this movie, I think, is going to be the big underdog. And I think it's actually going to be the most surprising of all the films. Like, it's being, like, really swept under the rug. And I think this is going to be one of the bigger movies. Nay, because as a VFX artist, I know that they put a lot of the budget into VFX and a lot less into the the actors. So a part of me is I love the Fantastic Four, but I that's why I'm afraid. I think because you're, when I they think put you're that, be surprised. I, I hope I hope so because I, I really surprised. love the Fantastic Four. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. I don't know what that is though. What is that? A nay? Did you not see the trailer? I'm not gonna. All I'm gonna say is the red okay, capes so, are coming. Ricky, nay on Batman v. No, it's, it's um. It's uh, your name. No, no, no. You're making up <laughs> rules. I'll say... I'll say A because of Ben Affleck. That was just, oh, God. Next. I'm going to give it a big nay. Um, I'm just not sold. The action scenes look cool, but Lex Luthor, man, I, I just can't get past... To me, a good movie needs a great villain, and I'm just not sold on him yet. The red capes are coming. Nay, the because I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm the villain. I'm Lex Luthor. I'm Lex. I'm the. I'm, 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 I'm the man from UNCLE. Uncle. I don't care. I don't care. I know. So say nay. So I'm gonna say nay because I don't care. I'm gonna say yay because it sounds cool, but I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a remake of a yeah, we should have probably showed you <laughs> old British TV show with it's with Henry Cavill and Arnie Army Hammer. So I will give it a big yay because I feel like the world needs more movies in the style of 007 with a fun aspect to it. Goosebumps. Nay, leave it in my childhood where it belongs. I'm gonna say yay because I didn't even know they were doing Goosebumps, but that was like one of my favorite childhood memories was reading the Goosebumps books. And I actually had two VHSs that used to terrify me to the point where I had to hide them because the covers of the the VHS scared me. Yeah. So for me, it is a nay because I do love Goosebumps. I read a majority of the original ones. What's it now? The problem I have with it is that they're throwing all the villains in it. And they're dealing with all of them. Why? Because they most likely know that this is going to be the one and only big Goosebumps film. You put Jack Black in the movie. Yeah. So instead of doing what I thought would be great, get your top three books, make three little stories in there, and that's it. Done. Anyways, Ash versus Evil Dead. Absolutely. Yay. Uh, It's Ash and his boobstick. I mean, come on. That's, That's all you need. 
reprising that role, man. Yeah. Amazing. And it's like a it's like a weathered ash, so it's it's him like older. Well, I can't it wait. Works even better. I can't wait. I'm gonna say yay. Um, that's another one that I wasn't really expecting at a comic con that I watched, and I was very surprised. Um, it looks like a fun movie. I'm a big fan of the horror film, and I like how they're they're making. I don't know. It's it's gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Who could possibly nay this? Absolutely. I mean, most people don't even know what nay means. <laughs> but yeah, Ash is Ash in this. That's amazing. Fear the Walking Dead. I was at the Comic Con panel. Um, I'm gonna say yay, and I'll say this: I, I pr- much prefer the urban setting over the wood setting. I think when you put zombies in like a city, um, I think it adds a, a whole other dynamic. And so I'm going to see a big... And from what I saw, it looks like it's going to be really cool. It's a family drama with zombies, so I'm going to say yay. I'm going to say yay. I'm a big fan of the comics, and I think this is a interesting new approach to what they're doing. Um, I think it's a bold step to make a different set of characters that we already know and love, and um, I have high hopes for this. So I'm going to say nay, because as a fan of the comics, they're going away from the comics, because I feel like as a creative, uh, as creatives... They think that they're being limited by the comic, and I think that's why they need this series. That's probably going to live off a little bit off of the original comics. It might be fun. Don't get me wrong. It'll it's going to be an original kind of thing. It's not going to have anything to do with comics. No, no, that's what I'm saying. That's what it's because they don't. They feel like they're probably oh, this is our template. We have to work off of it. And now that they, you know, this is probably an attempt to hey, let's do our own thing because we have awesome ideas. But I'm sure might work really well. I'm sure we'll see things like Fear Walking Dead that you'll. That will tie into what nope. we already see. No, they have to. No, they, no, they, they will. Said, they said at the panel they're not gonna. It's gonna be like this. Did you hear about that it. one cop who killed someone? Once, no, I said geographically doesn't make sense. One show is set in LA, the other one is set in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's no way they're getting from LA. Well, listen, so, most importantly, to what I need to see one day is why the last man in a movie. That needs to be not a movie. That needs to be a miniseries. Well, or TV dude, show. The amount of that sexism is, that in that thing that is perfect right now. I'm, I'm currently working on an, a script for Netflix. For, I'm not really doing this, but I wish I was. For why? For Animorphs. Oh, my God. I won't get started on that. Dude, but we'll I just leave you with that. Think oh about it. God. No, they need a movie of the Dribble Girl. Because that, that one's everyone's favorite. What, what Netflix is bringing back is one of my favorite. They're bringing back Lemony Snickets in a series of unfortunate oh, I love lemons. Yeah, dude. They're doing, and they're doing it right, too. You skipped one on the list. The one that I was looking forward to the most. Which one is that? Heroes. Aw, oh, damn it. I hate it. Nay. Really? <laughs> yes. For real? I'm, t- I'm calling it right now on the podcast. It's going to fail no. miserably. Okay. Season one of the first Heroes is the greatest season of any TV series of yes. all time. Yes, agreed. They showed they bro, they, dropped, they dropped that footage in Hall H at Comic Con for Heroes Reborn. I think it's gonna be like the I think it's gonna be close to the first season. Listen, like, that's I like, want. Oh, I'm so excited for it. I, oh, I'm sorry, Skinner. Yeah, super yeah, yeah, Skinner. I, think, I think we should make a. It came from a podcast first ever bet. If the show flops. Ricky has to wear a dress for a whole podcast. If the show I'll do it. Listen, is amazing, it's a podcast. Sergio we'll needs to wear. <laughs> no, we're gonna make it a video podcast. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it relevant. Okay, we're I'm, gonna figure look, out a way. I'm gonna. I'll I'll, I'll, it. It's literally on record. Better, right no better. If if the show flops, I will record an entire episode of it came from a podcast, butt ass, <laughs> naked or butt naked. You cut. Okay, so that is probably worse for me than <laughs> so anyone else. Turn you so how about this? No bet. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. All right. Well, I'll I'll wear, I'll I will wear, say I wear a sock. I will say yes. I will say I will say yay. 
Um, I was a huge fan of the original. I was very unfortunate. It was very unfortunate the writer strike happened and and ruined the show essentially. But I was a very big fan of the first season. Very big fan of the plot. And um, I think that if the, if done correctly, it could be very good. Yeah. So for me, it's going to be a yay, actually. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's still an A because I love the original so much. It was one of the only shows I actually saw day of, day of, day of, day of. I looked forward to it. I was in college. And then it just fell apart completely, broke my heart. Then I found my wife. You know, and it changed my world. But there was a writer's but, strike. Yeah, I know. I, I know it's the, the writer's fault. strike. It's the fault of the writer's strike. That, well, I mean, you know, I mean, that happened. That affected you, you, it. You can't blame it only because that was only one season. But what I'm, um, um, my whole issue with it is from what I saw. What I saw, I was, like, not impressed by at all. I was like, okay, so you're bringing in characters, so people will be excited about it. Well, that means that maybe the characters they have on by themselves aren't big enough to, to support the whole story. That they need to bring in other... I don't know. I mean, like I said, from this is just a, like a gut feeling. But we'll see. I hope to be wrong about these go things. Watch, well, maybe go watch Dark Matters. It's, they're making a prequel series to Reborn. So I think it's on YouTube. Watch it. I will. It'll change your mind. All right. Hens love roosters. Geese love ganders. Everyone else loves Nick Flanders. Harry Shearer is returning to The Simpsons. I think we... Did we talk about this? I feel like this? we're coming full circle. I think this was our first episode. I don't... No, 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 no. I think this it was. This is like three weeks ago. <laughs> no, is, no, no. I think it might have been the first episode. You're completely wrong because I had to research what we said before. <laughs> a few weeks ago, he said he wanted the freedom to do other work and they parted ways. We didn't really know what that meant because some people, you know, some of the official people that were on The Simpsons said, hey, we don't get it. He does that. So, um... He's back with a freshly signed two-year deal for the 27th and 28th seasons. Uh, apparently, producer Al Jean, in a tweet, said what caused this was a, mis a misunderstanding where they requested work from him when he was on a five-week free period. So, we won't be losing the original Mr. Burns, Smithers, Skinner, Dr. Hibbert, Ned Flanders, and about 30 other characters. Um, that's a good thing, but a part of me smells a little bit of drama mixed with money, you know? It's, it's all about the... It's always about it's drama about money. and money, yeah. More money, more problems, you know? I'm telling you, man. Biggie well, said it best. Yep. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Hulu may be planning to launch an ad-free version this fall that may go for $12 to $14 a month. What do you guys think? There's nothing else to say, but duh. I mean, you gotta compete with Netflix, so... Netflix is just destroying everything right now, and Netflix is like... I never heard somebody say, oh man, I can't wait to go home and watch Hulu and chill. You, know, you, you can't watch Hulu and chill. You I, get, chill. I get why you have to pay. I get why you have to watch ads because they need... Remember, Hulu's showing... There's contracts and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, Hulu's, Hulu's, showing, Hulu's showing content, uh, like television shows that are still currently going on at like that current season. So they need to also pay that toward the networks. Netflix shows things that have already aired so like you don't have to worry about. So I get it. But at the same time, in order to compete with Netflix, you have to you gotta do it ad free. So I understand it too. Never paid for it because I feel like if as a mass, if all of us refuse to pay for the same reason, they are bound to change it. And the thing is, you're you're never gonna like ads. The ads you're gonna like are the ones you click on, and that's a small percentage. You know what I mean? So when you have to like, and and Hulu does this thing that ticks me off and my wife, where. They you you watch a scene and then it goes to commercial. I was about to say that. Sixty seconds. They cut into a behind the scenes one minute clip 
and then they give you another 60 second of ads. You know what kills me? Like, if Have I'm you watching, seen that? If I'm it's watching the show, I see the ad, and then for whatever reason, I need to rewind and go back to the scene. If I rewind, it'll revol- it'll yeah. maybe watch those ads again. Exactly, yeah. And the thing is, because the reason that happens is because people found workarounds. Yeah. There's little, in, like, extensions and stuff yep. like that. But um, that's just proof that people will go crazy to avoid ads. It's true. And whenever that happens, I just see it, like... Well, okay, I'm going to go downstairs and put these dishes away or, you know, something like that. Well, personally, the one that gets me the most is Crunchyroll, which is another service of streaming for anime. And what it'll do is it'll give you the recap of last episode. It'll run, like, 120 seconds of ads. Then it'll give you the opening music, (laughs) like, oh, we're going to give you the theme song to the show. Then that ends, and then you get, like, another 120 (laughs) seconds of ads. So it's like, Uh I I haven't even started the episode yet. A 20-minute show turns into the one. I haven't even watched the episode yet, and I've watched, like, six minutes of ads. It's like... People, ads just, nobody wants ads. And the thing is, I can't even stand the ads on YouTube that you could skip. You know what I mean? Like, it's like two seconds. five seconds. You're like, of course. I can skip this in five seconds. It's just... Well, who needs to do stop with the ads and just create original content just on Netflix? I will say this. That'll generate the revenue. I would I would pay for Hulu if they get rid of the ads. Guaranteed. I never thought I'd say that because I never thought it would happen. In order to get rid of the ads, you need more original content, though. They need to come up with more original content. I don't even care because I'm a cable cutter. Like, I don't have cable I don't think you'll be able to sustain itself if... if, if well, they, uh, yeah, as a whole, as in, you know, whole. like, with the massive yeah. amount of audience they need or, you know, um, people they need to sign up. Maybe. But the thing is... There's a lot of stuff that me and my watch will... My, my watch? My wife will watch. watch. With, your, with your Google watch? <laughs> yes, exactly. No. Me and your watch will watch. But I'll watch with my wife that just... I, we stop watching after the, the free month trial, or we'll, we'll pay for a <laughs> like, month. Oh, that's done. If there's a series we want to do, okay, I'll pay for the month just to watch that, and then we'll see whatever else we can find within that time. But... I would hold on to that subscription if there was no ads attached to it, because then we can binge all those Food Network shows that we constantly. So wait, watch just to time. clarify, right now, if you pay for it, you still have ads. Yes, exactly, oh, and that's wow. why people. Yes, that's why no one wants. I have. It. I'm a Prime. I'm Prime. I'm a Hulu Plus member, and I, I still get all the ads. No, yeah, that I did it, and I was like, when I realized that the first time, everyone talked about it. Now I feel like they've gotten worse, like not worse, but there's like more ads now than there were. Of course, than yeah. Were before. When it was brand you new, get, you it was like one or two. Ad, yeah. Now it's uh, like you also. My favorite part, you have the option at the beginning of watching all of the ads at the beginning. Oh, you can watch like a one minute clip so you can and watch, no ads. You can walk away, but you can actually you do a quiz. And- and then <laughs> you, you click, do. but what I do is click one part of the screen because the button is right next to that button to that choice all the time. So click, 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 click. Boom! No ads. So now it's like show. if you can perform the Sudoku puzzle before this starts, we will allow you to watch the whole episode. It's pretty much idea. idiotic. It's like, do you like Coke? How much do you like Coke? <laughs> A lot, sort of, amazing. Hulu's what? Also, you know what I mean? Like really, look, Hulu also don't like they need to tailor to because. The only people that really are going to use Hulu now are cable cutters. Yeah. Because... So just me. Like, I don't have anything but a Chromecast attached but, but to my TV. Nowadays, you don't even... If you have a cable service, you have on-demand for the most part. You don't even need Hulu, so... Yeah. I'm really hungry, and you said tater. I'm sorry. We're going to go food episode podcast. <laughs> you said tater, and all I can think is potatoes. All right, we're good. <laughs> now, July 15th will always be remembered as Amazon Prime Garage Sale Day. Or as Amazon calls it, Prime Day. Uh, did you guys pick anything up? No. I heard that the Funko Pop, which I'm a huge collector of, were going to be very cheap. And the prices were okay, but I, I couldn't find it anything. It was very but, underwhelming. But So did you buy anything? No. no. Did you buy anything? I did not. My point exactly, on to the next segment. <laughs> GoPro has revealed their new line. Oh, actually, it's not a new line. It's an addition to their Hero 4 line. 
of cameras, and the GoPro Hero 4 session is the name. It's now a little cube that's completely blacked out, and it's rounded. It looks great, yet it's very it's cute. It's very cute. It is very cute. It's so adorable. Yeah. It's like, I don't get it's action. A, it's adorbs. Yeah. Okay, don't say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's smaller, lighter, and waterproof out of the box, which is my favorite thing. There's some issues with having such a small factor, of, a form factor, of course, and it's that you can't change the settings unless you have the GoPro remote, which is not included. You have to buy that or the Android and iOS apps, which sort of sucks, because if you want to do, oh, I want to go to, you know, it's dark, let me change the settings on here to suit the environment, you can't do that on the camera itself, you have to go on your phone. And I feel like that slows down the process, like if you have a DSLR or something, it it's just, it's seem, slow enough. It doesn't seem very productive. Exactly. They, they do yeah. that a lot whenever they shrink technology, like if they take the iPod Shuffle, for example, like we're shrinking it, we're making it more, you know, compact, but now you can't pick your song, you know? And it exactly. feels kind of like that in the same sense where you're losing features for, you know, and it makes perfect sense. I, I understand it. There's also a non-removable battery, which is very problematic because I believe it can only do two hours on a charge. And that sort of sucks because that means if you're going to use these professionally, you have to at least have two to switch off to the other one while one is charging. That's another con. But there's more, of course. Uh, it's being reported on multiple reviews that sharpness and details are low. Colors aren't as bright and vibrant as the Hero 4 Silver and shooting in low light creates red and noisy images. Pretty much the size is affecting a majority of the features that made the Hero 4 Black Edition so great. And if it isn't enough, it's pricey as I mentioned, the standard comes in $399 for what pretty much is a two inch little square. Right. So, so you just might as well put in the extra hundred and basically get the better version. With the black. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I know what happens is that they're trying to push the technology and showing it off. They're trying to make money. Yeah. But I I, mean, I would have considered it if it was 200 bucks in a $200 range. Because then... Yeah, should, oh, it, look, it, it should looks be great. a lot cheaper. It's like yeah. an affordable version. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm, yeah. So but go, the specs... Go light. Exactly, yeah. So I'm guessing the next, the Hero 5 version, will be amazing. Because the technology will be there and they'll catch up with it. Um, but maybe it's too simple right now. Either way, it's available July 12th. Logitech is rebranding or reinventing itself. Quote, you will begin to see the name Logi or Logi on select products. Logi. Logi. Yeah, that actually sounds better. In existing categories and expect some twists and a few surprises in new categories. And they went on to say Logitech has undergone huge changes. So we've created an identity that is an expression of who we are today and who we will be moving forward. A company transformation of this magnitude should come with an equally bold transformation of its brand, said Alistair Curtis, chief design officer at Logitech. I said it that way because part of me was just lost on that on that on that. She was an officer at Logie. No, I was lost on Alistair. Uh, you don't really hear that name much. That name's Adorbs. Okay, listen. <laughs> shut up with that. <laughs> so, so this is essentially this is like Domino's getting rid of the word pizza in yeah. their name. This Domi. Is like they're just, they're Domi. Just, they're just dough. <laughs> Call us Domi. <laughs> Domi. Yeah. We'll give you some um, Dorbs pizza. This is a big thing. I work a lot with identity and branding, so I know that this is a major trend right now. People are like, we want it smaller, cuter, and shorter, and prettier. You know, like louder, fun, etc. Those are all words that they love using. More, more, so, more I, Dorbs, basically. Okay, shut up. <laughs> basically is what you're saying. More Yoda. Because he's adorbs. Right, of and, and it's four letters. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
I wasn't surprised at all because I think Logitech is becoming a, a brand that is aiming to to go for millennials such as ourselves. And yeah, and they put I'm, out good products, but I think that that rebranding their name and making it more, I don't know, hip. Yeah, okay, that's more a good hip. word for it. It's yeah. more hip, you know, more trendy name. Um, we'll likely push more products, which is what they're well, just trying to do. It'll think, it'll please people you think too. It'll stick. Um, yes, I, I think, think so. they'll. The thing is, you can make any name stick. You just have to market, market it, it correctly. correctly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there it is, Logitech, Logi, Loki, Logi, Loki, Logi, whatever it is. Right, it's that time again. Thing of the week. Mike, give me. I need a B and a two four time signature. All right, listen, we don't have a lot of time. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> right, right, I don't want two four minutes, but. Right. Thing of the week. The 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 thing of the week. The so we just lost the most week. listeners the, 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 the we have ever lost. The <laughs> there we go. Boom. Got it. What is your thing of the week, Ricky? My thing of the week is Dark Disciple. Uh, by author Christy Golden. It is a new Star Wars book. It 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 took the material from four unaired episodes of the Clone Wars that were never made because of the purchase by Disney. Um, and it basically closes off the story of Asajj Ventress, who was Count Dooku's uh, apprentice. Mm, sounds Ooh. romantic. I'm reading it right now, so can't really tell you much, but so far so good. Halfway through it. Okay, that's good to know, Star Wars wise. If it's bad that's it's good it's probably one of the better Star Wars, new Star Wars books and it's canon it is officially canon cool that's yeah. very well of course I don't really now very, is, yeah. very, right because there's a lot of books that very, are not very yeah. important all the new stuff is canon so very cool so Michael what is your thing of the week my thing of the week is Skyforge which is a uh, new free to play MMO that's been in closed beta for quite some time but it is now officially open beta as of yesterday and I feel like it's like the biggest game that nobody's really talking about. Um, I feel like this game has a lot of good features. It feels very much like Destiny MMO. Uh, if you yeah. can imagine what that would be like. It's very futuristic, um, very almost Wild Star-ish, but not as cartoony. It's more on the realistic side like nice. Destiny is. Um, but the classes are fun. The combat system is interesting. And um, I've played a lot of floppy MMOs that have just not gone anywhere. And I really feel like this one has potential. I mean, that's the thing now, you see a lot less news on MMOs because you see massive companies yeah. failing at it miserably. Right. Elder Scrolls, Bomb. I remember about, I remember that was Bomb. a massive thing. As soon as it was, the reviews came out, yep. off the radar. I fit it, it was not. And was a lot of games good. like... Star Wars, let's not forget Star Wars. Which they're trying to rebrand re 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 it, the essentially. Republic. They should start from scratch, probably. It was, because, it uh, was, it just, it ran, it, it went by too quickly. It was it's, it's called end of game. End, 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 yeah, there's no end of game. And there was no end game is a massive thing that people don't. I the, think the pay best, attention the to. best end of game MMORPG was Star Wars Galaxies back in the day. Unlimited, unlimited possibilities. I'd say you created, you created, you created your own content, and there has been no other MMORPG where you create your own content. But there's flaws with that too, and that's the problem that people need to it's have too, it was their hand held. It was too big of a sandbox, which I, I am a fan of. The bigger yeah. the sandbox, the happier I am. So the, I, the bigger the sandbox, the more time it needs, which I don't have. Is right. the problem. It, it is a, it was a huge time thing. For so me. I can't speak for the end game yet. I haven't gotten to it, right. but the game you looks suck. promising. Yeah, I'm not saying I mean, I know. You suck. I know. That's when it gets worrisome, though. Because the thing is, you think of World of Warcraft, you think endgame content all the time, right? That's right. all that's being released is endgame. Right. End right. Trying to get end to game. the endgame so yes. you can play the But end then game. you think about it like this. The Blizzard, massive company. Right. Now other companies come into the MMO game, they have to bring something different to the table because they don't have the team to be able to produce as much endgame content like Blizzard can. And even Blizzard isn't even doing that 
um, they're doing the best job, but a lot of people are just, they're losing subscribers. Why? Because they don't find it the same. Because the MMO should be changing. It the should game, be evolving. The game's almost, and it just isn't. The game's also 10 years old. Well, that's what I'm saying. But the content isn't. The end game content mm. keeps released out every like, year or two years. More or less. Yeah. So, you know, I'm excited whenever there's a new MMO announced because maybe it's the one. I'm still waiting for the one. I'm still waiting for the one. I don't, I don't know that this will be the one, but I do think it's a promising game that's free to play. Um, obviously, there's microtransactions, which you can or cannot um, pray for, but I think for a free to play MMO, something fresh, something new that's under the radar, definitely check it out. I'd play it if they had it on Mac, but they don't, so. They will, most likely. They probably won't. They probably will. Uh, my thing of the week is Bat Kira. Have you guys seen that? Negative. Oh, I'm sorry. I said we're, bat. We're about to. Bart Kira. Bart Kira. Oh, I don't know why I said bat. We're about to watch it. So Bart Kira is this awesome. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's Bart Akira. in the Akira trailer. <laughs> okay. And it is astounding. Now, there's really no way I can summarize how it looks and how it feels. So you guys have to go see it, and we will have those links in the show description. But go watch it. It is the most beautiful thing I've seen in the last week. Next to my wife. And my daughter. And me. And my dog. And Michael. So, moving over to games. Five Nights at Freddy's. Quattro 4. Wow. They're just unstoppable right now. They, they're, just cranking. Cranking. they're cranking them out. So do you guys know the story of Five Nights at Freddy? Not the, the story of the game, but like how it came to be. Okay, no, no, I don't know that. So the developer had this really cheesy game. And in it, there were these robotic-looking like bear creatures that were part of the game. And he, I, I don't want to say anything that's false information, but pretty much what happened is it failed. He moved on to something and said, hey, maybe I can use these characters because they look really scary. And a lot of feedback he got was that they look horrifying. And boom, five nights at Freddy's. So now we're on four. And the thing, the guy is doing a lot with it because I feel like it's a trending game. Yeah. That it's very fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I think it's, the idea is very unique. It's it's won a bunch of well-deserved rewards, but I feel like now it's just it's just named. I mean, this is the last one, by the way. That, so game, that game will run its course. It'll be hype. It'll get all the attention it deserves, and then it'll be gone. I, I hope it comes making, back with a bigger a developer. Oh, I don't know. I, don't a movie it would I don't be, know about that. I think it would be an interesting movie. Yeah, um, it'd be fun. Obviously, I love it'd be way more story. detailed. Yeah. People the play the game majority. Uh, not uh, a majority of the people who play it is for the story. The story is actually really interesting. But anyways, um, and taking what seems to be a cue from Silent Hill PT, the demo, has moved over into a house. Oh, okay. Even it's creepier. Yeah. It looks amazing. The trailer looks super fun. Uh, as a designer, it looks... The, the motion graphics are horrible. But, but the that's story what the game is about. Yeah. The game, the game isn't, <laughs> isn't trying to appeal to... The people who are looking for graphics, people who are oh, looking for it's cheap scares, it's fun. Oh no, I meant just like the title. Oh, <laughs> the end title. It's horrible. <laughs> like, I'm going to call that guy up. Anyways, um, the game looks really. Uh, the setting is way worse. It's the idea, I'm pretty much guessing it's the idea that the. the, the, the Somehow followed him home? Yeah, animatronics have followed him home, which is that's, astoundingly that, that's creepy. terrifying. Perfect. He I finally left and they followed yeah. him home. And it's not. Uh, the, it pushed to an earlier release date. I think it's next month. I actually don't have the date on it. Cranky's horrible. Them, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, he, they really are. I mean, it, let's be honest. If he's doing this alone, it, it can't be the most difficult thing because he's well, been he, doing it a he, lot. He only tweaks minor things. Like, okay, like the first one came out. And I felt like I had just blinked, and the second one was like yeah. I was just getting into one, and two was in the store, and I was like, oh okay. And I played two, and I found that the the the, the changes he tried to make 
were very like tedious. Like there was too much to be worried about. Like the, like it wasn't as original and as classic as the first one. The third one he went kind of back to the roots. Um, but now there's a four, and like, I don't yeah. know. We're... And the thing is, that's also the problem with having such a small development crew. Oh, well, right. I mean, actually, I think he did this alone, though. That's why I'm guessing, if I remember correctly. But that's the problem you run into when you're trying to pump these out so much, because guess what? It's perfect for money. This guy is, I mean, this guy is, like, screwed right now. Right. On a year, this game will be irrelevant. I mean, yeah. this, this game is going to run its course. It's going to be good for what time that it's there, and then it'll be gone forever. Dead forever. Shenmue 3 broke Kickstarter records, pulling in over 5.6 million. Oh, and it's in video games. That record. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I have a. I was a really big Shenmue fan. It's probably to be the best game to come out of the Dreamcast. Um, you you lived in a uh, Japan. You got to work an actual job in the game as a. F- as the a, basics. Thing. As a, a truck, uh, forklift driver. American life gets boring. You, you got to learn karate by reading scrolls. I mean, what? It doesn't get better than that. I'm not, I'm really looking forward to it. It's just like thing. real life. Just like real life. That's how I learned my karate. There you go. And I mean, the fan base is massive because that's not a, a normal number. I mean, you have people who people are trying to remake Mega Man, and it still didn't push these people numbers. People went crazy it, when they announced that. It, it literally was announced, and then like when the guy got off the stage, it, it was, was funded. funded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty pretty much how it went down. Uh, the last game to do that same thing was Bloodstained: Ritual of the Night, which is pretty much know. our Castlevania right. like rebirth. So to speak, and uh, that was 5.5 million. So it's not even that far off. But it ended tonight. I'm not sure what the number is, but I'm hoping it was over six million. But do you think that this game will be more successful? Like blood, like that game, you really don't hear about it anymore. Like it was funded, it was a hype, and then now no one barely even remembers it. Do you think that Shenmue will leave an impact? Yeah, Shenmue has a a built-in fan base already from way way back. So I, I think Shenmue. Uh, do I think it'll live up to the hype? It better. Okay, so this is the, this is the thing I, I know about games on Kickstarter. I paid for a game over two years ago, and it's still not like in an open beta. So no, this Shemu, Shemu will come. No, that's what I'm saying. Is that these there are a lot of people who know this in Kickstarter, so they have this set and forget it mentality where it's yeah. like pay yay okay well i'll be back in a year to care about it again or another year because the truth is nothing's gonna happen right away you know what i mean it's like a long like a like pre-ordering something that's gonna be out in 2018 so you have to wait right now and i think it's gonna be the team behind it will hope will be very stable which is a good thing, of course, with that kind of they money were, and revenue going. They were going to make the game regardless, so I think that that basically says it all. Not yeah. they have more money, they'll make it even better, but they were yeah. going to make it regardless, so we'll see it. We'll see it soon enough. Yeah, so it's going to it's gonna go good. So Nintendo CEO Satoru Iwata passed away at the age of 55 on July 11th, 2015. The cause of death was stated to be due to a bile duct growth. This is such a major loss. Uh, the gaming community has always expressed so much love for the guy. And I personally, I remember back in 2013, after Nintendo went through a 30% drop in profits, he cut his own salary in half for five months. While so many other CEOs out there would just go and fire a bunch of employees and say, this is the necessary thing to do. And that really and truly speaks for the type of man he was. 
He said, quote, if we reduce the number of employees for better short-term financial results, employee morale will decrease, and I sincerely doubt employees who fear that they may be laid off will be able to develop software titles that could impress people around the world. What do you guys think about that? That's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a leader, man. Yeah. That's a true leader. That's You don't... There's nothing more that you could ask of a leader. Willing to cut his own salary instead of firing people... Yeah, you don't you don't see that now. That's that's Japanese culture, yeah, man. Yeah. Like that's like you you sort of it's more about sort honor of, than yeah. There's yeah, there's just something to that alone that just makes me feel like I love this dude. You know what I mean? And I think it shows in the games that he created and helped create. You know, I think that that kind of work ethic that your employees have, where they enjoy doing what they're yeah. doing, and I think it shows a lot of Nintendo's style and Nintendo's culture. Absolutely. Um, and I think that he had a huge part of that. I completely agree. I mean, I think it's one of those things that should have been a bigger deal than it was. You know, it was just mentioned in a quote on blogs, and that's it, but it died out. I wish some CEOs would have said something about it and said, you know what, I'm, we're going to take from what he said and, you know, live off of that kind of mentality or something, just anything that would have made other CEOs feel like, hey, this is probably the direction we should go in. Absolutely. So, games, guys. Nintendo has been a major part of our lives, regardless of whether you've never played a Nintendo title. That's how big it is. Now, what games do you guys hold fondly, dearly, in your hearts? So, for me, it's... And Iwata worked on this game, so for me, it's it's uh, it's going to be The Legend of Zelda. It's probably my favorite Nintendo original NES game of all time. Uh, I used to play with my dad, and it was a, a really big bonding experience for, for us. So for me, I, I, just, I remember being like three years old just playing Legend of Zelda with my dad, so that's mine. Um, for me, uh, my, my first Nintendo memory that I can recall, although most people, they, they, they tune into Mario when they think about this, but for me, it's actually Kirby. Um, I remember borrowing my cousin's Game Boy, the old school with the yellow screen that you could barely, you had to like hold it in angles to see what you were doing. Um, and Kirby's Dream World, he had it on, the, he had it, and he had beaten every level, and and he wouldn't let me reset it to start over. So I would just skip through levels and play random levels, and it was one of my favorite things to ever do. And um, I don't know, I think it's incredible to have a company that can create literally a pink ball with a mouth and eyes, and and make it so iconic, and make it such a fun experience um, where kids of all ages can really like feel attached to that. So that would be definitely mine. Um, I want to say Zelda. I want to say Super Mario, you know, because those are really fond figures that we all grew up with. But to me personally, the one that I think I hold the most fond memories with, surprisingly enough, is Animal Crossing. Never thought I'd say that. But Animal Crossing was one of those games that back then when the Internet wasn't really a big part of of games, you wouldn't be playing multiplayer. I remember playing Animal Crossing on the GameCube and thinking, wow, I love this. As a kid who, you know, I didn't have... There's moments when I couldn't play with my friends or hang out with my friends, and I would play Animal Crossing maybe at midnight. Like, I'd sneak out into the living room and play it, and something was happening. These were characters who were talking to me, and they were friendly and happy-go-lucky, and things that a lot of the times you wouldn't find in the real world. And I felt like, wow, I belong to these in this little city, in this little town, and these people are doing, they're they're alive, you know. That's the kind of feeling I had as a kid playing, and that's why I loved it so it's much. It's like the closest thing Nintendo has to an MMO, essentially. Like it's yeah. a real world; yeah. it lives and breathes. You come in at different times. There's different events happening, and yeah. it is very 
Very MMO-ish for and a I, Nintendo game. Exactly. And I remember there was a moment on, on Christmas when everything died out because everyone, you know, gets tired on Christmas Eve and they go to sleep and I couldn't sleep and I was bored and alone at that time because everyone was knocked out. <laughs> and I went on the GameCube and I turned it on and everyone was awake running around oh. and they were waiting for Santa Claus. And then at midnight, Santa Claus passed by my mailbox and left something super cheese, super corny, but I loved it. it. Yeah. I, it, it really, it was a part of my life at that point, you know? And that was, that was my memory with those games. In 2014, he skipped E3 due to health difficulties. And that sadly caught up to him. Uh, we'll always remember him. And I will, especially for this quote, on my business card, I am a corporate president. In my mind, I am a game developer, but in my heart, I am a gamer. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And that's it for the week, folks. Once again, I'm Sergio A.M. And I'm Ricky Kaza, reminding you to... Tune in. There you go. Listen, you <laughs> bastard. <No. laughs> I didn't know what to say. And that's Michael Skinner. <laughs> that's Michael Skinner. Lead singer of the Cameron Numbers. Look up the band. Awesome band. Don't look him up. Now, if you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook and Google+. So check out the show description for those details as well. And finally, if you want to support the podcast and help us out, the best way is to subscribe and share. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or just manually by adding us to your favorite podcatcher through our RSS feed. To your friends, family, enemies, personal robotic butlers, anyone you can think of, we'd really, really appreciate it. We really would.